Meditation, Part 2, Becoming Aware, a collection of short Dharma teachings by Venerable Ajahn Anan. Getting to know the mind. When we first come to meditate, we'll notice quite quickly that even sitting for a minute seems almost impossible. All we get is restlessness and agitation. With practice, though, we'll soon be able to sit for longer periods. Five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes. Eventually, we'll be able to sit for half an hour with ease. Sometimes the meditation is peaceful, other times not, but in the beginning stages, the key element is patience. It's important to see that the five hindrances to peace in the mind, sensual desire, ill will, dullness, restlessness, doubt, are not created by meditation. It's just what's there already. In daily life, we're used to thinking a lot, and often not in a very skillful or controlled way. This type of thinking tends to agitate the mind and create different types of mental stress. So when we sit down to concentrate on the breath or another meditation object, what we notice first is what's already there. Suddenly we see, Hmm, there's a lot of thinking going on. So to begin with, just accept that it's normal for the untrained mind to be like that. And the way to deal with it skillfully is to develop this quality of mindfulness. We meditate to get to know our mind. But that doesn't mean we think, I've got to be peaceful. If we think and attach in this way, then we'll tend to get irritated with ourselves when we're not peaceful. Our aim is just to know the mind. And when we're working on developing constant awareness, this will include times when we're not very peaceful, when there are thoughts and distractions coming up. So we just know, hmm, the mind is distracted. There will also be times when our mindfulness and concentration are strong and the hindrances disappear. At those times, we're aware that now the mind is peaceful. Now the mind is calm and concentrated. Whatever the experience, we know it for what it is. That's our aim. Building momentum mindfully. If we put forth effort on a daily basis, the meditation will start to gain a momentum of its own. When we wake up, we'll want to practice meditation. Whenever we have spare time, we want to practice meditation. And if the opportunity arises, we want to practice all day. If we practice consistently with mindfulness, whatever time of the day we go to meditate, be it in the morning or evening, the mind will move into a state of peace quite easily. This is what we call continuously developing the mind. Whenever we have mindfulness established, is a time when we're developing the mind. However, even if we sit all day with our eyes closed, if there's no mindfulness, my efforts will bring little benefit. If we do walking meditation all day, but our mindfulness isn't firmly established, this would not be putting forth effort in meditation. To be truly putting forth effort, we should be endeavoring to abandon any unwholesome mental states that have arisen and to bring up wholesome states and maintain them in the mind. 
The unwholesome states that we have already abandoned, we should be trying our utmost to not let them arise anew. If we're working in this way with mindfulness, then whether we're standing, sitting, walking, or lying down, we'll truly be developing the mind. Wise Reflection There will be times when the mind is too restless to simply watch the breath or stay with a meditation word. At these times, we may need to use wise reflection. Wise reflection is when we consciously use thought to bring the mind to peace. We can use the recollection of the qualities of the Buddha, the four sublime abidings, recollection of death, chanting, or other modes of contemplating the Dhamma. Some people find their temperament is more suited to using this reflective and contemplative style of meditation, while others may find that staying with a single meditation object, such as the breath, will bring their minds to peace quite easily. Many practitioners, however, find benefit in using these two aspects interchangeably as a means of calming the mind. In the Thai forest tradition, it's quite common for practitioners to use the recollection of the Buddha as their main object of meditation. In addition to reciting Buddha along with the breath, we can also recollect the qualities of the Buddha to bring the mind to calm. The Buddha was one who was perfectly awakened. His mind was pure, free from mental defilements, free from suffering, experiencing constant peace. Not only did he purify his own mind, finding the way to free it from delusion and attachment, but he also developed the wisdom to teach others to follow the same path. Because of our faith in the Buddha and his teachings, when we enter or leave a hall, it's customary to pay respects by bowing three times to the Buddha statue. When we do this, we're recollecting the enlightenment of the Buddha and what that signifies. We recollect the qualities of mind that he perfected, namely, his great compassion, great purity, and great wisdom. He developed these virtues and other aspects of his spiritual practice over countless lifetimes, all the while holding the vow to become a Buddha. His vow was finally realized as he experienced the happiness of liberation, sitting under the Bodhi tree in India 2,500 years ago. He then began to teach the way out of suffering that he realized for himself. The Buddha taught the way to perfect peace and happiness, out of kindness and compassion for all other beings living in this world. And as his disciples too became enlightened, they were sent out to spread the teachings for the benefit of all beings. Those teachings have been handed down and shared to this very day. It's because of this that there are still enlightened beings appearing in the world. The Four Sublime Abidings Reflecting on the Four Sublime Abidings of loving-kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy and equanimity is another contemplative method which brings great benefit to the practitioner. True metta, or loving-kindness, is unbiased and unbounded. But when we first begin to develop metta, we must start by establishing a sense of goodwill for ourselves. We genuinely wish ourselves happiness and good things. Then, progressing from this foundation, we can think of a parent or a loved one 
and send them loving-kindness. Following this, we think of someone we feel neutral towards and spread loving-kindness to him or her as well. And lastly, we focus on someone with whom we have conflict. By progressively developing loving-kindness in this way, the practice can grow to include all beings. To be able to spread pure loving-kindness like this, we have to develop it often. But with consistent practice, the power of our metta will gradually grow. If we keep applying mindful awareness to these thoughts of loving-kindness, the mind will naturally start to calm down and become collected. As it begins to experience the peace of concentration, we will feel relaxed and happy within ourselves. The mind will be stable and calm. And from here, concentration and loving-kindness progress hand in hand, as at this point, they're almost the same thing. When the mind gains calm, it will naturally be free of irritation. And by keeping mindfulness on the meditation object, eventually we'll get to the point where there's no ill will in the mind at all. This will be known, and the mind will be peaceful and still. Karuna, or compassion, is recognizing that all beings have suffering and that we want to do something about it. Developing compassion is similar to the way we develop loving-kindness. Firstly, we acknowledge the suffering that we ourselves experience, whether great or small, and make the aspiration that through our practice of Dharma we'll be able to transcend the various forms of suffering in this life. Next, we move on to the people for whom we feel love and affection, recognizing the suffering that they experience and sincerely wishing that they be free from it. And finally, we move on to the people we feel neutral towards and those with which we are having conflicts. Once again, as with loving-kindness, the goal is to develop the strength of our compassion to encompass all beings indiscriminately. Loving-kindness and compassion are so closely related that by developing one, we will be consequently developing the other. In fact, in the metta chant that we do, we're inclining the mind towards thoughts of compassion through cultivating loving-kindness. Using the phrases, may all beings have freedom from hostility, freedom from ill will and anxiety, and may they maintain well-being in themselves and be released from all suffering. We cultivate the feeling of wanting to help those beings, of wanting to remove the causes for their suffering. With mudita, or sympathetic joy, we foster an awareness of what's already good and abundant in our life and wish that we will not be separated from that. We take joy in that abundance and good fortune. We then recollect other beings who are currently experiencing good fortune, sincerely wishing that they too will not be separated from that abundance, that well-being, those good opportunities. We bring up appreciation of the goodness in their lives. And lastly, practice by wishing that all beings could have these good opportunities and experience such well-being. Finally, for the cultivation of upekā, equanimity, we contemplate karma. We look at our own situation and the different painful things that we can't really resolve yet. With the understanding that karma is a very real and powerful force, we consider that these difficulties must have come into being because of our past actions. 
By contemplating in this way, we can develop patience and equanimity, accepting our situation and not contending with our karma. With regards to others, we still cultivate loving kindness, compassion, and sympathetic joy. But we also understand that beings fare according to their past actions. We contemplate the fact that sometimes we simply can't help certain beings because of their karma, and that we can't resolve all of our karma yet either. When we abide in equanimity, we don't suffer unnecessarily about this. This is called developing the quality of Upeka.